0: Absolutely delicious. LaCroix Tangerine. I'm, I'm just saying, it is fantastic. Hey, people of Talking Tesla Land, it is Mel Herbert here, and unfortunately, the boys and I have not been able to get together. Um, for a variety of reasons. Uh, there are people that are working uh, and as such, and you know, there's a pandemic and the like. But I thought it's been too long and I should put something together for all of uh, the peeps out there. And we obviously just had the Tesla earnings call, and I don't really want to go into the numbers so much. I talk about uh, sort of some of the things that Elon talked about and you know, suggested where things are going. So the summary of the earnings is that they made a lot of earnings and they did a lot of calling. So they did extremely well. This was expected, um, but they're financially in great shape. Just you know, think back to when uh, the boys and I were talking about Tesla just even a year or two ago, where there was real questions about whether they would make it, whether they could do it as a company. And Elon pointed out yet again, this is the first American company in uh, automobile company, That hasn't gone broke in 100 years here in the United States. Uh, There's been a lot of people that have tried, but it is extraordinarily difficult. And he reiterated again just how hard it is. So hats off to the obsessive-compulsive Elon Musk and to those people that are around him that have helped him to achieve what I think now is a pretty stable company. Now, obviously, it's going through a huge amount of growth, and there's a lot of capital expenditures, but their balance sheet looks very Good. And their demand is absolutely extraordinary. And they say that they are still looking at a 50% year over year growth in the coming years. Oh, and now I should say, I actually broke down and bought Tesla stock. I have never bought a stock, a single stock of anything, stockings or otherwise. But um, I got the Robinhood app because all of the kids have the Robinhood app. And my son had the Robinhood app. And uh, so I I bought the, I got the Robin Hood app and then I went and bought Tesla stock because I think they're on track to grow substantially in the next few years. And I'm like, you know, nobody cares that I have Tesla stock. I'm going to say it out loud. It's not like I can move the stock. It's not like uh, you know, Talking Tesla has 1.8 million listeners or anything like that. But I do want to tell you uh, from now on. When I'm talking about Tesla, I will make sure that I tell the world that I actually own Tesla stock. And the reason I own it is because I'm very bullish on it. So some of the other things that um, Elon talked about that I thought were very interesting. He said that in the future, they're going to be seen as much as a robotics and AI company as they are an energy or a car company. So what does that mean? I think what it means is that the underlying technologies that have put Tesla ahead are AI and soon robotics. So the AI part of things is the autonomous driving. They're using increasing amounts of AI to label things as they're making videos of the world around the car. And this is going to accelerate. So this is why he says he's good. So autonomous driving AI, those two go together. He talked a lot about autonomous driving. And he just sort of doubled down on stuff he said before. He didn't say anything really new, but he keeps doubling and tripling down. So He said, you know, it's all about vision. You can do everything with vision. We're going to get rid of the radar. People have said, well, you need to have LiDAR. And he's like, no, LiDAR is stupid. It's all about vision. The roads and the cars are made for vision input. They're made for human beings. But we can do even better than human beings because we can have eyes on the side of our head, eyes in the back of our head, eyes that have three different focal lengths, and we can compute at a speed that is much faster than a human. So in theory, this uh, autonomous driving that they're creating for Tesla, he said, is going to be significantly better than a human. We have not seen that yet. We have seen gradual and sometimes large jumps and improvements. But the car, it is not ready to drive by itself yet. They didn't really get into uh, when to expect the next big jump in that technology. But it does. You know, it is clear that it is getting better and better. He did suggest, though, and this was sort of um, maybe a little bit subtle, that the chip that they have in the cars uses about 70 or 80 watts. But what they're asking the chip to do is something extraordinary, to take all of these different streams of video at 30 frames per second and to label it and then to react to it. And this is a tremendous amount of computing that you're asking a little tiny computer to do. What you really need is something that requires a lot of energy and has multiple processes. And they're asking a lot of this chip. I read that, frankly, as him saying the chip isn't quite fast enough. And they've sort of suggested this before, that this Tesla-driven chip is fantastic, it's great, it's wonderful, and it's way more powerful than uh, it used to be, but it's still not powerful enough. And that's where I think they're going, that Tesla chip number you know, 4, Pono or whatever is next, is really where they need to go. And again, I might be reading a little bit too much into that, but it felt like he was sort of suggesting that uh, with 80 watts, it's not enough to do all of the stuff that they need to do. He certainly believes that they're going to get there to fully autonomous, better than a human, much better than a human, just using light and using a low-powered chip in the car. I'm just not sure it's going to be this chip the way he is talking. I think we're going to need the next chip, which then will bring up to all of you, and Tom will be rolling his eyes and throwing things across the room like, but you said fully autonomous, and you keep changing what that means. You advertise that uh, this chip will be fully autonomous, and uh, if you don't do it with this chip, then you lied to people like me, and people like me have bought full self-driving software a number of times. So the good thing is, I'm really actually, even me, Little gun show about buying full self-driving again. The old fool me once, shame on you, fool me 16 times, shame on me. And so they also talked about this idea soon that you'll be able to subscribe to fully autonomous driving, that therefore people will be able to try it out, and if they like it, will continue to subscribe. This could be a huge jump in revenue because they suggested that not many people are buying the full self-driving package. It's super expensive and it doesn't exist yet. It's full by myself driving. So I would become one of those people If I were to get another car right now, I would not buy full self-driving, and I would subscribe to it when that subscription became possible, and I would try it out for a time, and if I found that it wasn't as good a driver as I am, or a conservative driver like I am, then I would stop the subscription. If I subscribed, then it was awesome, and I could sit in the back of the car and smoke cigarettes and down Budweiser's multiple, um, then I would continue the subscription kind of an idea. So it is both a risk to them and also an enormous opportunity. The risk is you subscribe and it's not that good. You don't subscribe anymore. And maybe uh, you lose some money because people would have tried uh, the full self driving by dropping 10 grand and now they're dropping whatever their subscription price is and they don't give you the rest of the 10 grand because they didn't like it. So they're gonna to have to have a pretty robust product when that first comes out, or I think it's a risk for them actually, you know, not making any money. Maybe not losing money, but certainly not making much more money. So you would think that they would have to have a fairly robust, fairly pretty good uh, full self-driving in order for that subscription service to work. But if it works, they'll sell up a lot of it, depending on the price. I mean, if the full self-driving is the real deal, how much would you pay for it? Let's say that you've got a $400 a month car payment just for the car. How much more would you pay for a car that can truly, fully, autonomously drive? Now, that might actually be a very difficult thing to answer, because you might say, Mel, well, what can I do with that fully autonomous car? If I can actually put it on the Tesla network and make the money back, that could be a very large number. If this fully autonomous Tesla network doesn't ever exist, which uh, I worry that it's not ever going to exist. If it doesn't exist and it's just me getting driven around like driving Miss Daisy, then maybe a hundred bucks a month, you know, something like that. Would people pay 200 bucks a month? Would they pay 300 bucks a month? I don't think so. Um, Because driving isn't that much of a hassle. So, Joel, that might be an interesting Twitter poll, actually. Level 5, fully autonomous, all-by-yourself car, not-by-me car, driving. How much would that be worth in addition to your car payment? Joel, make it happen. You can make that happen. What else did they talk about? Well, they talked about Tesla energy. um, And they talked about battery constraint. And they are still battery constrained. They need to ramp the amount of battery an enormous amount they talked about you know the nickel issue they talked about the fact that they you know don't worry uh, all their battery supplies we're going to buy every single battery you can give us even while we are ramping production on our own and it seems like the new cells the fat cells the big cells they are coming along in their r&d and they're feeling pretty good about it but that doesn't sound like they're going to get into volume production of those bad boys until next year Uh, that was the suggestion A really interesting thing happened with Powerwall. So since about November, it appears that they have upgraded Powerwall, and they didn't exactly say how, to allow it to produce more energy. Not store more energy, but to actually deliver more energy. So right now, I think they're rated at 7, for one Powerwall, 7 kilowatts peak, so it can sustain that for a short period of time, and then a sustained 5 kilowatts. And the new one where they'll be able to flip the switch from the ones that have been made since November, do a software update, Uh, we'll be able to get about twice that. So be able to get somewhere around 10 kilowatts peak, or a 14 kilowatt peak and 10 kilowatts sustain. That's actually kind of a big deal, because if you had just one Powerwall... Attached to your house. And if literally you did things like have the microwave on and have the toaster on and have the electric oven on, they're the kind of things that suck a lot of energy and a power wall wouldn't be able to keep up with it. You know, I have a number of power walls. I have three at my house, and so I can do quite a bit more than that. You know, it's I can do 15 kilowatts sustained because they, the way they hook them up, each one of those can fire off five kilowatts. But if you had um, just one or two of the new versions, you could run most of your house when it was really peaking. Now, that power is not going to last very long if you're pulling 10 kilowatts from it. It's going to last for like... An hour and a half, because it's only got about 14 kilowatts in it. Um, So to me, it was always more about not how much one individual power wall can, how much juice it can produce, but how much it can store. And now they've said that they're not, and I'm a bit confused by the reporting on this, that they are only going to sell solar, Tesla solar attached to powerwall so you won't be able to just go and buy tesla solar anymore you have to get tesla solar and powerwall this makes a lot of sense to me because solar is great and i had it for decades before i got a powerwall but solar plus battery is just the right thing to do it is just like a ham and eggs the two chocolate and ice cream the two go together so it makes sense for me that they're at that point where like no you're got to get both together it just makes more sense it makes you a little potentially energy independent power company in your own right it could help stabilize the grid there's so many reasons why this is a good idea but the thing that i'm confused about is the suggestion that they're not going to sell power walls to anybody else so if you've got you know somebody third-party Panasonic. Uh, panels on your house and you want to put a power wall and they're going to say no. And everybody's like trying to, well, what does that mean? Are they trying to put a walled garden around Tessa? I think it's simply the fact that they can't make them fast enough. And so if you can't make them fast enough, who do you sell them to first? Yourself. You sell them to yourself first. If they get to the point where they get production up so they can do all that they need for sort of individual residential and for all their commercial, then I bet you'll see that they'll start selling them again. But until that time, they are so constrained, it makes sense. Let's just make this part of what we do for Tesla. I can tell you, I want to put up more capacity here at the studio. And when they said that, I'm like, "Uh, I'm going to have to use Tesla because I want some more Powerwalls here because... as he noted in California and Texas, the power grid is becoming less stable, not more stable, with uh climate change, there is more and more weather events in the extreme, both in the hot and in the cold. And the power companies have said, we're going to shut the power off here in California. Like, we are going to shut the power off much more frequently when it gets windy and hot in California. And so it's gone from, it's kind of cool to have solar panels, to kind of, uh, if you don't have solar power and a battery backup, that could be very expensive. So here in the studio, if we are shooting, for example, we've got a bunch of doctors here in the studio and we're doing a show for a couple of days, we could lose tens of thousands of dollars just in a couple of days of lost productivity. So for, particularly for commercial places, the ability to have solar plus uh, battery backup, you can actually drop a fair amount of cash, and that to be a reasonable thing to do. And even as an individual, if you're in a place that's going to lose power a lot, and you're working from home, um, it really sort of brings it into the equation. Over time, that probably saves you money. And now over time, it saves you money. And it saves you from lots of lost productivity. Well, absolutely, you're going to buy those puppies. They are expensive. They are constrained. But i got to tell you, Solar Plus uh, power walls really is a game changer. I have it at the studio. Um, I have it at my home. We have it at another studio. It really means that when California's power goes out, It just doesn't affect us. And it's really important. I mean, more and more, this is going to be the way to go. So I actually expect that, you know, there's a mandate here in California that every new construction now have solar. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if in the next short period of time, it's going to be every new construction in California must have solar plus battery backup because it just makes sense. And then you can then work with your utility probably to get a break and your power wall or walls can be part of the solution to stabilizing the grid as Elon talked about you know, on the call plus he's talked about it many other times. If you've got this distributed energy, this distributed batteries all across the city, then you basically can use that as a way to help the grid. You need a bit of a peak here, gritty grid. Let's take uh, 10, 20% of all the power walls it across uh, the city and help the grid out. And then if there's excess solar energy in the middle of the day, let's uh, fill up all of those uh, batteries. So you really could be part of the solution to what is an increasingly unstable grid here in California, but not just in California, in Texas and other places as well. Some other interesting things they talked about, I thought, was S and X. Um, They are Quite delayed at this point. Looks like production is going to begin soon, and he thinks that there is an enormous. Well, he thinks he knows. I think he's got the data that there is, you know, a big market for the refreshed plaid versions. They call it Palladium now. That's a uh, project Palladium for S and X. That um, that's going to go again. I think from what he was saying was sort of a dying niche product to actually a significant number of cars. They're talking about needing to produce as many as two thousand a week which is significantly more than they were doing before. And i got to tell you, when I look at those refreshers, it makes me think, well, is my next car going to be a Model Y? Or is it going to be one of those sweet-looking Xs? Or a super-long-range S? It actually brings it back into the conversation, as long as I can get rid of that yoke steering wheel. Or at least they can show me that this is not going to be an issue. I mean, they've refreshed S and X, sweet, and apparently a lot of people want them. But the production of those... You know, has not been that smooth. And he went through the fact that uh, the change is significant enough that it's taken him a while to ramp production. But it sounds like the production will start on those bad boys very soon. So they talked about a lot of stuff. You know, what's the downsides? What's the negatives? What was the stuff that it made me concerned I didn't really hear anything in the earnings call to make me concerned. I think they're really on track. They're building factors as fast as they can. They're battery constrained. They're trying to do stuff about that. The thing that always worries me is this technical stuff with fully self-driving. I think Elon is absolutely right that they will crack the code that it'll all be light based because that's what we do right now. We're eyeball based driving and we're pretty good as humans, although we like to say how bad human drivers are. A good human driver is actually excellent. And if they can get better than an excellent driver, that's fantastic. And they could do that all with light because that's what humans do. So that all sounds very good. But I am just a little bit concerned that it is going to be much more delayed than he likes to tell us and it's already delayed years beyond where he thought it would be and that there's not enough compute power to do what they really need to do which is use ai to do the labeling of all of the uh, different cameras in real time It's a really hard problem to crack. And he talked a lot about the fact that, you know, there's got all these edge cases. What happens when there's a car that's on top of another car or you've got a car that's dressed up that looks like a dog? And how is the computer supposed to think about that? What's it supposed to do? It's a very difficult problem to crack. And my biggest concern is that fully self-driving, which always seems to be in Elon terms, six months away, is much, much longer than six months away. Because of the compute issue now, I think they're getting the math down, but now they have to do so much math so quickly, I wouldn't be surprised that we're all going to need to get a new chip. So I'm just saying, I'm going to stop waffling now, and we'll get the boys together as soon as we can to have a real stupid discussion about all this and much more. My name is Mel. This show, we're going to call this an Elon today, part of the Talking Tesla network of shows, because they are in fact, boom. A network of shows talk to you soon.